Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everyone? Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dads Show, the parenting podcast where we ask inspiring dads the question, what does it mean to be a rad dad? On this episode, I sit down with Dan Davidson, who's taken the Canadian country music scene by storm in the last few years. And before that, he fronted hard rock band Tupelo Honey, who experienced a ton of success as well, sharing the stage with artists like Billy Talent, Metric, and even Bon Jovi. But most importantly, he's also a rad dad to two girls, Georgia and Juliet. And as a bonus, he's from our neck of the woods, Dan's from St. Albert, which is just outside of Edmonton. Dan and I chatted about the importance of not taking your support system for granted, um, moments when we catch glimpses of our kids' as grown-ups, the awkwardness that comes with the neighborhood kids hearing you swear in your music, and Dan also talked about his relationship with his dad, including sharing a story about recording a duet together. And of course, we also talked about Dan's latest single, Girl Drinks Beer, and plans for new music and touring next year. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Here's Dan Davidson on The Rad Dad's Show. Dan, thanks for taking the time to come on the Rad Dad Show. I'm going to start the way we always start by asking, who are you? Man, that's a great question. I ask myself every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm Dan Davidson. I'm uh, from Edmonton, Alberta, St. Albert, actually. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing music for my entire adult life, you know, from the time I was 19. I ju- started a rock band with a bunch of friends out here that uh, that I met at Grant McEwen Music College, and um, we had a really cool ride. We made this band called Tupelo Honey um, in the early 2000s, and very quickly, you know, we found ourselves opening for bands like uh, Billy Talent and Metric and Three Days Grace and Shinedown and Clutch, and eventually we were looked up and we we're, you know, playing arenas with bands like Bon Jovi, and uh, it was pretty wild and pretty fast pace. Um, it was a cool experience, especially because I was so young, you know, I was, I was only yeah. probably 20, 24 when I played my first 17,000 seater arena. And Oh my God. And uh, yeah. So like, it's just, how do you set that bar and get back to it? And, and, but you know, the thing that was so cool is that we were doing it all by ourselves. It was an indie thing. It was like 2008, something like that when the industry was at its absolute worst. So, you know, <laughs> we, we would, we would sell a thousand tickets in Edmonton and all these labels from New York and LA would fly out and see us and everybody would be fired the next day. So yeah. we always, we kind of had to like be those DIY guys and, and figure out how to do what the, the major label bands do and compete on a shoestring budget from, you know, the suburbs of the prairies of Canada, which was, you know, an interesting battle. It taught me a lot. And, and um, really good ride. You know, we, we did a lot of cool things, top forties toured North America and uh, it definitely kind of came to a point where, you know, things fizzled out. Rock and roll wasn't the same as it was. And we didn't yeah. really, I think we, we felt like we were smoking our tires a little bit and tried some new things. Some guys went one direction, some went the other. And, and I started uh, writing country music. And since there, you know, to put it, you know, the, the, the short story of it all is basically I wrote a song that, that came out and, really quickly it became one of the top selling independent songs in Canada and and uh now it's it's platinum and and since then I've just been keeping up with the pace of that song and you know I've toured in nine countries and <laughs> it's it's wild I never thought you know lightning very rarely strikes twice in the music industry but I guess I'm one of the lucky ones so you know here I am in my late 30s family man and I'm still somehow making music with my friends and and seeing the world well, yeah, congratulations. That's a pretty amazing story. Um, and like I mentioned kind of before we got started, um, like I remember you from the Tupelo Honey days and um, that's the time when I was in university and uh, playing in bands and going to shows and stuff. So I remember seeing you guys there. And, you know, when I saw that you guys, you know, were sort of taking off, um, that seemed really natural to me. I knew you guys sort of had that. So I'm interested though, um, before we get into, you mentioned your family, man, we're going to talk about that, but um, like, that transition from like you guys were kind of like hard rock, indie rock to, to country. Like, where does that come from? Is that, did you grow up listening to country when you were a kid? Like, where does, where does that come from? Or was it just a a style that felt natural to you? I know it's so weird. Like I never in a million years would have ever thought I'd looked up 
and and be playing country music for a living like i just it just wasn't on my radar as a kid because you know when i was really getting into music in my early to mid-teens it was all it was all pretty angry stuff you know like yeah. I, I think i started getting involved in aggressive music um mostly through punk bands like i like bad religion and snfu and no effects yeah. and, and, and bands like that but i also kind of like had my my finger on the pulse of the more commercial stuff like i like green day and and you know whatever was happening stone temple pilots and, yeah. and things like that those are all like the first songs i learned on guitar but you know as i got into high school despite all of the exposure that my dad had given me to like blue rodeo and lyle love it and johnny cash and willie nelson and the eagles and all the super tramp and like all these bands that he loved i still was like in that zone where i wanted to make aggressive music and and uh, you know, I, I dabbled a little bit in some terrible metal bands. And uh, after I graduated high school, I, I didn't know what else to do. I just knew that I was good at playing guitar, and so I, I applied for the Grant McEwen Music Program, uh, yep. which is you know, it's anybody is that's heard of that school knows it's like one of the the better music programs in, in Western Canada. And I, I was so surprised that I got in. And I was kind of hanging on by the skin of my teeth, to be honest, for the first year. And but I met a lot of great people, and uh, and we found a lot of common ground in in sort of the mainstream rock bands with these guys that I loved playing with. So you know, we were looking at bands like Audio Slave and Foo Fighters and Incubus, and, yeah. and using those bands as kind of like the place that we all came together, kind of where our circles overlapped. And uh, yeah, after some jamming and and some some trying some stuff out, we just knew that it was a great fit and, and we loved playing together and we kind of created this rock band, but you know, as the years went on and, and we were touring lots, I, I met a lot of great people that I'm finding I run into in country music a lot now. Like Dallas Smith is a great example. He was, yeah. you know, the, the lead singer of default years ago, platinum selling rock band. And uh, it's so funny. Like before I started my career, I was toying with the idea of doing some country stuff and unlocking that door that I'd always kept locked when I was doing rock. And uh, so I went, I called Dallas and I went out to see him open for Florida Georgia line. He was playing at uh, Rexall place and, and I went to his after party and, and people were just like losing their marbles over Dallas. And he wasn't even, you know, the Dallas Smith that he is today, yeah. the massive, like our biggest country artist in this, yeah. in this country. Um, and he's like, man, you know what, you should, you should think about this. Like, you know, it's, it's not much different from what we were doing before in the rock world. And you know, you got the right kind of a voice for it, right look for it. And your name's pretty country. And I was like, yeah, Dan <laughs> Davidson does sound like a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, you know, it honestly, it doesn't feel like I'm doing much different. Like I still have two of the guys from Tupelo Honey playing yeah. with me. And uh, so it's still the same jokes and still the same stories and still the same, you know, van tunes that we have rocking and and it's just like it's just a lot of fun. It just kind of feels like it's a it's a different lens, but it's the same same general direction. And uh, yeah, so it honestly didn't feel like a big slap in the face, hard left turn kind of a situation. I'm, I'm finding ways to do it my way. Like I, I the last thing I want to do is come across as being a guy that's just wearing a costume. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I I really think that longevity for artists comes from personality and uh and so i'm trying to keep that in mind as i move forward into this genre or maybe some of my old fans might think it's a little strange well you mentioned you know bad religion no effects like kind of growing up on some of that punk rock stuff um and you mentioned um like you know work ethic and that's sort of something a, a connection that i see when i look at sort of your country music career like there's a real diy vibe to it right it's the same spirit uh, that I mm -hmm. sort of see there. And, um, you know, that really shines through, like you've got a real presence on your social media and your videos are, are fun. And, um, you know, a lot of those things I know you've sort of done yourself, uh, or had a, at least a big hand in it. Um, and so, yeah, that really comes through in the music. And so I think there, there isn't that much of a, a difference there other than, well, maybe the amps aren't turned up quite as loud. Right. <laughs> yeah that's right it's it's like it's telecasters instead of les pauls now yeah. but it's kind of the same but yeah yeah i think that's it man like all those years slugging it out in the rock band and, and yeah. finding our way through the most terrible times of the music industry really set me up for an awesome indie career in country like when i came out i didn't have to do all those 
things where I was making mistakes and finding out the hard way. Cause I already, I already did it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I was able to kind of hit the ground at, at full sprint and, and uh, it was nice to not have to do all those years over again. Yeah. And so we haven't even talked about, you're also a dad. Yeah. I've got two little girls. Uh, I've got uh, an eight year old who's turning nine right away, Georgia. And uh, a six-year-old who's turning 17, I think, right away. <laughs> that Juliet. happens about that time, eh? Yeah. So, they're, I mean, they're a lot of fun. I think it's always so funny to see what their take is on what I do for a living. Like, you know, they're growing up as little kids and I've got the garage transformed into the bridge of the Starship Enterprise yeah. <laughs> with cardboard and all my friends dressed up in stupid costumes, you know, like I'm probably the only dad they know that has a full costume department from all the music videos I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, you know, like growing up for me, my dad was a big fancy lawyer at a high, you know, high rise apartment or a high rise uh, office downtown Edmonton. And it was all suits and very official. And, you know, I take my kids to my office and it's just like, goofy crap on the walls and a bunch of my friends hanging out and so it's it's a different uh, different side of the mirror but you know the same principles apply i guess yeah well that's amazing that's really cool um i mean your kids get to see sort of a different uh, i guess have a, a different experience with their dad right than maybe a lot of kids do do you think um so normally i ask um whether you think you're a rad dad i'm going to start by asking do, do you think your kids think you're a rad dad <laughs> uh i think they do only because their friends think it's interesting that, that yeah. i have a job that makes me seem younger to them than i actually am potentially yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's i think i can hold on to like cool dad for at least a couple more years but you know i think i've got that embarrassing gene in me i i'm one just one step away from showing up in a moose costume at school one day to pick them up yeah. <laughs> sometimes we can't help it right yeah no I, I do think they they uh they think it's cool that i get to do music for a living and and they know i think they know that it's it's different than what a lot of dads do and yeah you know the the thing that i always thought was really interesting about being a dad in music is that when you tell people what you do for a living and they know you have kids they kind of assume that you're you're a bit of a hands-off dad and you're gone all the time and yeah, we, you know, we do have to tour sometimes, but, um, for me, I feel like I get like, especially in their, their younger years, I feel like I get way more daytime hours than a lot of the dads that I know, you know, cause I'm working at nights or I'm gone on the weekends or, you know, my schedule, I don't have a time I have to log in yeah. and log off. I could kind of, you know, so when they were little and they were napping, I would, I would get work done. And, and, uh, you know, my wife's got a, a pretty nine to five kind of job. So I was kind of just at home during the day because we just make it work. And yeah. I was really thankful for that. Um, Cause I think I got some experiences that a, a lot of guys don't get to have. I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, like we talked to lots of musicians on this show and a lot of people have kind of a similar thing to say, like, I, I think there's, there's some trade-offs, right? Because there's times when you're going to be away, like you just got back from Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's true. There's, there's times where it's like, Oh man, this sucks. I'm yeah. missing stuff. Or it's like, you know, I feel like I'm piling too much on my wife who's trying to juggle her job plus getting the two kids to hockey and ringette and musical theater and piano. And you know, it's, it's, it's a lot like going away even for a couple of weeks kind of makes me really appreciate what, what single parents have to go through and, mm -hmm. and how much, extra work and extra planning and all that goes into it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to, to have a supportive partner through all this because yes, yeah, the odd time I, I do have to go away. And, and most of the time when musicians do get booked on things, it's always inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always in the middle of a vacation or it's like, you have to miss a Christmas concert or whatever, you know, things like that. But that's definitely a bit of the downside. But like I said, like the upside is, for example, in the summertime, it's all just festivals. So it's flyouts yeah. on the weekend. So I'm, you know, the girls are off school and I get to hang out with them and sit in the backyard in the kiddie pool and <laughs> I'll drink a beer. They'll have a pop school. It's a great day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Like, and you're right. There's so many people that don't have that opportunity. So it's good to sort of find those silver linings. And I guess everybody's situation is a little bit different, right? But you have to find what works for 
you and your family are there like how do you manage when you're away like what are those i mean we have things like facetime and stuff how in your family how do you guys sort of deal with that maintain that connection well you know like i was i think i was telling you before the podcast started like uh my wife and I live very close to my parents, my sister, my in-laws. So we've got the the babysitters like fully triangulated here. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, we, we definitely have a support system, which has been huge for us. Awesome. And uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know how my parents did it. Like when they were, they had four kids by the time they were 29, two provinces from anyone that they knew. And that's just like insane to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, I, 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 we have lots of people to lean on. And there is, you know, we, we're, I can't believe that, you know, we have FaceTime. That's just, that's so good. Even in Australia, I'd stay up till midnight and, and say hi for a little bit. Just even, even having that once a day, it just changes everything. I can't imagine the days of touring and having to find some hepatitis old phone booth to call my <laughs> wife and kids from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, right? That's awesome. Um, so, okay, well, that's great. So yeah, you guys, it sounds like you've got a good support network too around, which makes such a huge difference. I, yeah, we were chatting about that before. It's like such a blessing to have that, right? Not everybody does have it. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. So I asked if your kids think you're a rad dad, what about you? Do you think you're a rad dad? Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm kind of rad. I'm, <laughs> I'm partially rad. Um, yeah, man, well, how do you know. how do you define it? What 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 makes a rad dad? I guess you know, it's just um, being present seems to be the big thing. You know, it's just and it's honestly it's the hardest thing to do too because yeah. when when you can't sign out of your job and your job is to always be answering emails and taking care of business because it's a it's like I'm the only guy that works at the company. You know what I mean? So yeah. I got to keep the wheels rolling. So when emails come in and I've been really consciously making an effort of just like, okay, at least when the girls get home from school to the time they go to sleep, don't do anything important. You know, let's just focus in on those times. And, and, and that's been really good. You know, I think it's, I think it's important, but I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not missing any of those moments. Cause I think the girls are getting, they're getting to an age now where I'm seeing flashes of them as older people like i'm seeing them i could see how they're kind of coming into what could possibly resemble a teenager one day and uh it freaks me out honestly like i just i just sometimes like i want to read them bedtime stories like the ones that they used to love when they were four (laughs) or like sing them the songs that they used to love just because i want to hold on to those little moments uh and they go so fast and i think now that that's becoming more and more apparent to me that uh i'm just really trying to dig in and, and make sure that i'm soaking in every every minute of them being little and having that you know that baby fat and those yeah. like cute weird things that they say and all that stuff so yeah man i think that's the big one for me just being present and being involved I, you know like, like i was saying earlier being able to have those daytime hours like i was able to volunteer at kindergarten like tie skates when the kids would go skating or, yeah. or whatever those kinds of things um, for my old, oldest daughter and then COVID hit. So it was a little tricky to volunteer with the younger one, but now we're getting back to it and, uh, just trying to be involved and, uh, you know, make sure that I'm clicked in. Yeah. You, you mentioned that it's kind of tough sometimes to be present. Right. And I w- agree with you, um, especially in this day and age, but you also, um, you know, like you said, you're, you know, one man business. So you have to, you know, be responsive to emails and all that stuff that's coming in and and planning and whatever. Do you have like strategies that you use to help you be more present? Like, is it is it just sort of being mindful of it or are there actual things you do? I know some people turn their phone off certain times, um, you know, whatever it is. I think the big thing is I'm just trying to be better with my time. Like if I'm if I'm more effective in the morning, then I don't have to stress at night. So like, I really try to make lists and treat it like it's a business, you know, like I, here's, here's the things that I have to knock off the list today, or I'll make yeah. a schedule. Like I'm going to spend an hour on this demo and then I have to spend an hour making phone calls and I have to, you know, it's kind of like things like that help me that for when I get home and my brain's not being like, Oh my God, I didn't get anything done today. It's just kind of more like, okay, well we, we made a, made a chip in the pile and we can pick it up tomorrow. And, and it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a mentality thing, honestly. I'm finding that to be helpful just to take a breath and be like, especially this time of year, it's winter time, 
not much is going to happen. We've got all kinds of time to catch up. Let's just take it bit by bit here. Yeah, we we like live in such a fast paced world too. Like you'll always feel like I need to respond to that right away. But the reality is you don't need to, right? What you need to do is your your kids like pulling on your shirt today and you know right now and wants to read with you. So that's what you should do. It's hard though. Like I'm I'm I'll be the first person to say it's hard. I struggle with it too. Um, yeah, somebody told me the other day that I thought said something that was interesting, and it's like it's so good to look back and and kind of give yourself a pat on the back of what you've done and what you've accomplished over the year or for, for example and be like you know what in your head you always have this thing like oh my god i haven't done enough i'm never you know i'm never gonna like keep up to the to the herd but if you look back and be like i've had that feeling all year and look what mm-hmm. i've accomplished so it's maybe it's just keep a good pace and have some confidence in yourself and you won't have that stress and that that's honestly what it comes down to for me is it's just this this crippling fear of not not keeping my head above water while everyone else is sprinting but uh you know I, I we're all in the same boat when it comes down to it so i'm starting to realize that we're all having that feeling and everyone's yes. kind of in the same boat yeah and nobody's comparing you know themselves to you everyone's kind of thinking that like other people are looking at what you know and judging you based on what you haven't done but everyone feels the same way is the reality Right. We all yeah. are, are just worried about, did we get enough done? And um, we just need to chill out. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's like, if I, if I don't get this demo done, for example, or if I yeah. don't get whatever this, this thing done by the end of the day, is that going to make me more upset or is missing coaching my daughter's hockey practice and, her being sad going to make me more upset. You know, I, I think the, the answer is pretty clear there, which, which is the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You talked about um, fears a little bit and I'm curious. So you became a dad just about nine years ago, you said. Mm-hmm. So big transition kind of happening around that time in your life, right? Or at least when you had little kids. So did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Oh yeah, totally. It was uh it was a very crazy time in my life because because Tupelo Honey had literally shut down. Well, we were just about to shut down. Like I could tell we were kind of like everyone was ready to do something new. And uh, yeah, so we, I, I didn't have a whole lot of money and I was going to I went back to school and I was just starting my business degree, you know, <laughs> and my wife's pregnant. We live in, on the west side and it was just like I had felt like so much was was new to me. and. Uh, uncertain the grounds were shifting i didn't know if i had a music career in my future but i knew that's what i wanted you know i didn't know how i could help provide for my family i Mm -hmm. didn't you know i didn't know how my wife felt about me not having a direction it kind of i felt like a bit of like a rudderless ship for a minute there and uh yeah it was kind of nice though when when georgia was born because it was a little bit centering like it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit and and we had we just kind of took a breath from all the craziness that that seemed to be happening around our lives and being uncertain of what the future looked like and we kind of realized okay like we've got something pretty good here we've got this beautiful little girl we've got a house we're happy we live near our family you know we're not rich yet but we're not old <laughs> so we have time to like yeah. to work and build more for ourselves um so it it was it was a bit of a mind shift and it was inspiring to me because it's like, okay, look, like, look what I've done so far. I, I can, I can keep this going and, and, and find a way to make it work. And, you know, with a little bit of hard work and a little bit of luck, things started to, to pick up and turn around. And, and then uh, when Juliet was born, our second daughter, uh, things were kind of rolling in, in, with the country career. And I felt a little bit more confidence. And, and now at this stage in my career, I've, I've, I've got a publishing deal and I'm, I'm writing and producing for other people. So you know, the uncertainty of, of the artist game is kind of mitigated a little bit right. with some other s- skills that I've developed. And yeah, it's it's funny how, how life can just kind of fall into peace in the right way. Like I wouldn't, I'm not going to tell you that I've made it. I'm, you know, I'm not worried about anything in the world, but I you're still working hard. Yeah. Com- yeah. Like I'm a lot more comfortable in my skin and, than I used to be. And I think being a dad has helped that a lot. Just understanding myself a little bit more and, and, yeah. Yeah, just I guess developing that skill to to take a breath and and learn that you can figure anything out really. Yeah, it's all like kind of giving you some perspective, maybe. 
I think that's it. Yeah. For sure. Well, you know, it's funny. Like my, my dad said something to me that, that always stuck with me. And I think it can be applied to like professional situations, but it also can be applied to just the general outlook on life. He, he said, uh, be great and don't go away. And that's kind of like my motto for my music career. I love <laughs> so, that. Yeah. That's awesome. Be great and don't go away. Mm-hmm. I'm writing that down. Um, there you go. So, yeah, that's great advice. So are, are there like, are there things about you that have changed since becoming a dad? Anything you can put your finger on? You know, I, I think it would be hard to tell from, from, you know, looking inward. Um, but as I, you know, I go back and I'll, I'll watch old interviews of me in, in Tupelo Honey or, or just kind of like reminisce about, about those days in yeah. my young twenties, my mid, I guess even to my mid to late twenties. Uh, yeah, I, I see that I handled things differently and I handled stress a lot differently. And, and, um, yeah, now, now I think twice a lot more I, I find, and that's probably just a getting older thing. I'll assess the risk and, but, you know, I think there's still that side of me that, um, that'll throw it all on red once in a while. And, and that's led yep. to some pretty interesting situations and it's, it's been, it's been helpful it's a bit of an entrepreneurial brain, I think, to, to take big swings once in a while. And yeah. uh, I think in this business, that's that's one side of me that's, as a dad, that I get scared of when that side flares up. I'm like, oh, God, what am I doing here? Like, you know, for example, one when my daughter, Juliet, was about three or four months old, I had a, a grant to go do, shoot a video. And we were going to do this, just a nice video somewhere in Canada, but... Uh, my video director and I decided we're like, you know what, let's blow the whole budget. We're going to go to Japan for six days. We're going to shoot the craziest video we can just me and you and one other guy and see what happens. So like I somehow my wife okayed that I was allowed to leave her with a toddler and a baby and go to Japan for a week. But um, you know, that, that led to so many great, um, so many great looks for me with that with that single that yeah. and it kind of started snowballing the story of me being the crazy video guy and it just you know, it was a it was a good move even though it was an uncomfortable move so I guess like now now that I've done it a few times getting to that point where knowing if the big swings are going to be uncomfortable in a good way or uncomfortable in a bad way is yeah. is a is becoming a skill and and you're you're balancing out like you know is this risk going to you know totally flop for me personally or is it going to have you know negative consequences for my family too right so you're factoring all those things in um so like i'm kind of curious like um your thoughts on that like um i guess balancing your family's interests versus your interests like how do you guys do that like i'm i'm sure it's you're making these decisions together um talked about a couple examples but like how does that factor in yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of a trust thing. Like my wife Jen kind of knows if I come to her with something that sounds crazy, I've thought it through a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I'm not just throwing stuff at the wall because um, there's a, there is some things that are a little wild. Like this this last Australia tour, it seemed like it was going to be so expensive, and it was super expensive. But you know, I was able to to pull it off with with grant funding, and I had a single that started doing really well. So she's she's been along for the ride with me for so long. I think that she understands kind of the direction I'm going in, and and it's it's definitely not easy when she's she's you know really high up at her at her company, and she's got to kind of run the ship there and 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 be there. But like I said, like that support system we have is is great if we need kids picked up from school or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it, it is a bit of a balancing act and every situation is kind of different. We don't really have a yeah. system, I guess, per se. It's just, we just talk it out a lot and, and see, see what's going to work. And, and honestly, it does, it does suck sometimes for, for Jen, my wife, because she's, you know, here's a, here's a perfect example of, of what one situation of like, oh my God, I feel so bad, but I need to do this. I was invited to go to a songwriting camp um, that the CCMAs and SOCAN put on in the Dominican Republic. And so it's mid-February, mid-February, like minus a million in Edmonton, just pouring snow. And I'm down in the, in the Dominican writing with some of my buddies. And, you know, there's one day I remember calling her in the middle of the day, we're having like a break and 
I was just like fighting it, like just not really a great writer that day. I didn't have any good ideas and called her. I was like, Hey, how's it going? And you know, she, she's like, Oh, it's okay. How about you? I'm like, Oh, just having a rough day here at this right. Just, <laughs> just really, really fighting it. And she's like, yeah, you're fighting it. Well, I just had the snow blow for the third time today. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we kind of, we laugh about those things a little bit, but like even when we were in Australia just a couple of weeks ago, um, I was talking with with my uh, my guitar player Darren, and he's like, "Man, it's really hard to downplay how much fun we're having to the wives when we're getting such a good tan." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's things like that because there there are some perks of the job where it is a, it's a fun job. Like I get to travel the world and make music with my friends, and and I know that that's rare to be able to do that for a living. And uh, yeah, it's like I feel like it's not always easy to hear for for uh, a significant other who's who's over overworked and overloaded and and you know it's not always fair so i, I definitely try to find ways to not <laughs> rub that in rub my wife's in. face yeah but, but uh, at the same time you, you probably come home and because of those awesome experiences like that translates to your home life too right like it's fulfilling you individually and so and that that also passes on to your family too we talk a lot about that on the show right yeah. like taking care of yourself too so um that's, I think it's not all important. I, you know, doesn't always I, come at the expense of the other. I think that's true. Yeah. Like I I've done, I guess on the flip side of the coin, you know, I've done so many terrible jobs that I hated. And I remember the state I was in working jobs that weren't going anywhere and they weren't paying great. And I was just doing it because I had to. And yeah, like a music career takes a lot of those years sometimes. And it's definitely, it's character building. And I think that I'm lucky enough to be with somebody who lets me celebrate the fact that I've got to a point where I don't have to do that anymore. And that's pretty cool. And it, it is funny though, you know, when, when you go out somewhere, like if I'm meeting um, parents of like my kids' friends or yeah. something like that, they'd be like, Oh, what do you do for a living? I'd be like, Oh, I'm a musician. And they kind of, I could tell that a lot of people automatically be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like weekend warrior guy here. Yeah thinks he's a rock star but i'm like no i'm like yeah and i don't i don't want to ever be the guy who's like yeah here's my resume and uh you know but my wife will jump in and, and kind of just like lightly say like it's you know it's serious he actually does do this for a living and it's yeah. not playing he's got a platinum single <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's 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 nice you know i feel the support from her there and um but it, it is kind of a funny thing though when you you know the, the stigma of being a musician and that's not a super famous one i'm just you know some a guy that's doing all right but uh yeah i don't know right don't like know how many, with that. yeah how many people who walk into long and mcquade like are a musician right like they, yeah i mean yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing that yeah. at all but it's, it's just sort of one of those things where people kind of look at you funny and, and i feel like i have to explain myself and i hate that yeah so. yeah 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 there yeah you're right that's interesting yeah. there is sort of like uh maybe a a stigma because it's so rare to be, I think, to be able to make a real career out of it, which is, you know, mm. something you should be even more proud of, right? That's pretty, pretty cool. Um, you talked about your dad a couple of times. So what's your relationship like with your dad? Oh, it's great. Like, I've, I'm really lucky. I'm really close with my parents. Um, and we spend a lot of time together. My, my dad and I love to bond over music. And that's been kind of a thing that we've had for a long time. Um, it, it is so funny that all those years of riding around, taking those long trips to Manitoba to go to the lake and listening to all his music, it's like it like finally paid off in this in this country career or something. Yeah. He put all these subliminal messages in me, and it finally came to the surface. But honestly, it's 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 really great. He's uh, he's starting to kind of slow down a little bit in in uh, his work capacity, like he's not taken on as much as he used to. So he's got a little bit more time and, and uh, you know, he, he grew up in a house where I think like his mom, my grandma wouldn't really let him explore the possibility of, of diving into music any harder than taking piano lessons or the odd guitar lesson. Cause that, I think at the time in a small community with a pretty straight laced family, I think she had it in her mind that being in a rock band meant you're doing drugs or something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. So so that was never even an option for him, but, but he loved music so much. And I grew up, um, you know, going, going to sleep and my dad would be playing guitar to me or like playing Beatles tapes or awesome. so. Yeah. He was just always, always 
great dad. He was my hockey coach all the time. And, uh, you know, we, we spend a lot of time. He, he would travel a lot for work too, actually, when I was a kid, he was a lawyer. And so he'd be up North doing stuff for weeks at a time sometimes, but I don't even remember ever feeling like he was away because he was so present when he was there. And, uh, so maybe that's, that's a bit of a takeaway that I never really knew that I absorbed <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, really, really great person. And this year actually, it was kind of a fun thing. Now maybe it's, you start to understand your parents a little more when you become a little bit older. And now I'm at an age where I remember my dad being as old as I am now and yep. thinking he was an old man, but <laughs> clearly wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think from this side of 30, I really understand my parents a little bit better and understand the, the, uh, the mentality that you, you keep as you grow older. And so I, I find, I find that we connect a lot more on, on a friend level than we used to. Yeah. It, it used to be just more of a father son thing. And now I, I just feel like I can just talk to him, you know, guy to guy, which is kind of cool. And, and, and this year we actually recorded a song together as no just way. like a, a fun thing to do. Yeah. Like we haven't put it out into the world, but you know, uh, He's a big Willie Nelson fan. I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. We we went to see him years ago together. And uh, so we we did a duet, a Willie Nelson cover that I recorded over last Christmas. And, and it was just like, it was a cool moment. I could tell he was really proud of it and he really loved it. And it was like experience that I think he really treasures. So I, well, hopefully we'll get to do it again and just kind of keep building up this uh, this tradition. I, I think it's it's kind of fun. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's um, neat that you guys get to have that experience. I, I sort of have a similar experience with my dad in terms of as I've gotten older, kind of, you know, I think understanding each other on a bit of a different level and and having that friendship. I think that's a really special thing, um, you know, and, and I like that, you know, you're able to kind of reflect on when you were a kid and how you felt about your dad and how you felt when you're around him. Um, like that's such an interesting thing that I think, like you just said, I didn't even really realize that sort of, you know, became a part of me, but it does, right? Like we can, almost can't help it. So it's just a, another reminder why we yeah, have to do I, that for our kids too, right? I think you're right. Like I honestly, it's, uh, it is nice to have, have a bit of a role model there and, uh, and this, especially, you know, I grew up with all sisters. I have three sisters and to see how he treated these girls was such a good, um, just a good indicator of how girls should be treated. And I think it put it in their minds that they don't need to settle for anything less than somebody that treats them great. And, and for, as a dad of daughters now, yeah, that's a big, that's a big thing for me is just like trying to install some self-confidence and, and, uh, and just like a, show them a bit of a roadmap and hopefully they can pick that up from how I treat my wife and, and how I, I treat women. And I think that's, that's super important for them to see. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's a, it's a totally. role model in a bit of a different capacity. Yep. Totally. Um, yeah. I'm a dad to two girls too. And so it's something I think about a lot. Um, and I think mm. comes up on, on this uh, show a little bit too, is like, how do we raise our kids to sort of be prepared for the world that they're, you know, going to have to experience. And you kind of hinted at it earlier, like you're getting these glimpses of them as like individuals and teenagers. And I think what you're, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't, I don't think so though. Like is, is them sort of not needing you anymore. And, and, at that point where they're kind of becoming teenagers, that's when they kind of become a little bit more vulnerable in that way too. Right. So these are things that we start to think about as parents. Right. And um, totally. how, how do we prepare our kids for that? That's a tough. Yeah. Tough that's, that's, that's a question. I, I feel like I'm asking myself a lot lately. It's just mm -hmm. like when, cause I, I have a friend who's got a daughter that just turned like 14 or something. And it's just like a switch goes off and they become a little bit more introverted. They want to like have some time alone. Maybe they're just like, I don't know, like it, there's, there's a whole thing. And I remember going through it. I remember yeah. the world became a little bit more inside my own head. Um, and yeah. You just hope that you can develop, I guess all we can hope for is as good parents is to hope you develop that relationship where even when they're going through that weird time that they're still able to at least communicate when, you know, they need to step out of that and yeah. have a hug from dad or something. Right. Yeah. When they need help or, you know, they, 
yeah, you just want to create an environment where they don't feel judged, you know, and they can mm-hmm. come to you if they need you, I guess. Um, Cause yeah, we, we know it's it, coming, right? Oh man. It's, it's so coming. Uh, the thing that's like always freaks me out a little bit too, is you want to, you want to teach them about the world and prepare them for situations without freaking them out and like yes. telling them too much too soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a balancing act too. Right. Especially because they're exposed to so much too. Like, I don't know about your kids. My, my oldest daughter is just about to turn seven and like, she's found YouTube and it's like the floodgates are open. Like no matter oh, yeah. how we restrict it and, you know, like find ways to, to limit it and do, you know, watch things under supervision and where we can explain things, they're exposed to things that like we, we can even control. in ads. Yes. Right. Like little things pop up that you, you, you know, you're not quick. You can't be quick enough to catch it all the time. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, we found that too. Like with our girls, when they got into YouTube, I had to sit with them and, and, and make sure I was watching what channels they're watching and stuff. Cause there's just like some channels that are kind of sneaky and they there's just a lot of weird stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of, we tried to wean off of YouTube a little bit and uh, it seems to have worked, but yeah, only for so long. Like you said, like, you know, it's it's a strange thing because you can't control what what other people's kids are doing yeah and uh so i'm like a hard line on i don't want anybody to have a phone mm-hmm. until they're x age or whatever but at the same time like you know our oldest is nine and she wants to go to sleepovers and stuff and, and i know she's a kind of a timid person and i know if she was scared she wouldn't go find her friend's mom to tell her to come pick me up so yeah we want to like send her with the phone so she can call me or text me if she needs to. And uh, it's just this weird line where that the, the, the devices and stuff is kind of a, it's part of being, that's part of the world now. It's not like, yeah, you can, you can't really stop it. And I always find that funny with, with new parents, like we're never going to let our kids ever have devices. And like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, well, it's funny. Like I, I just heard on the radio, um, yesterday or the day before like i think the canadian pediatric society or something they've just changed their recommendations on screen time it was kind of like pretty strict before uh, about limiting screen time and now it's more focused on well it's just if you're gonna have screen time it should be like healthy screen time like educational and whatever Mm -hmm. so um, i think everybody's starting to realize like this is inevitable it's about when you know and when are they prepared and and making sure they have the tools like if you if you pretend like you know, phones don't exist and YouTube doesn't exist. Like they're going to go to their friend's house. And that's the first thing they're going to want to do, right. Is access that stuff. And they're not going to be prepared to deal with what they see. So um, yeah, it's an interesting time. And I feel like it is kind of right around that, like six, seven years old, where they're kind of just getting smart enough to realize like some of the stuff they're seeing, but they don't, they're not mature enough to really understand it. You know, totally. I I think that, and the the biggest tool seems to be, a confidence in their understanding of what right and wrong is. Cause I think yeah. like most good kids will know when it's, they shouldn't be doing something. But I, I like, as a kid, I remember I was a pretty shy kid and I remember like I, I nine times out of 10, I probably wouldn't have been like, guys, we shouldn't, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing yeah. this, you know? Uh, especially for, for girls, I find it's extra important. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just cause I have girls and I'm more worried about them. But I just really want that to be something that I develop. And it's so hard to to, to work on that without being forceful. But I, I really, I think that confidence is going to be the key to making great decisions when it comes to devices and and yeah. how they, they interact with their friends online. Yeah. And, and, you know, to like, I think that trust piece is a big one too. Like, hey, if there's something you see that you don't understand or whatever, like you can always come ask me, you know, or come tell me or whatever. Um that's kind of an approach that that we sort of take a little bit too is like like okay so the new taylor swift album dropped right tons of swearing on that album so this is kind of a dumb example but like we listen to it a lot in our house and i've got like a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and yeah it's like well they know those words now like and so it's like well how do you normalize that and teach them that like it's not something to be like you know to laugh about or or whatever it's like something you know, you can't do at home. It's like, well, yeah, people say those words, but like, you don't say those around your teacher, (laughs) you know, you don't say those to grandma and grandpa, like, um, you know, there's times when you can say it and there's times when you can't. And then 
it kind of seemed to work. Like they don't really care anymore. They just hear it and they're like, oh, that's a bad word. Okay, move on. Yeah, we get that. I've had the exact same experience. Like it's in music that we listen to around yeah. the house sometimes. And and usually the girls would be like, oh, yeah. Dad. <laughs> or if, the, if they catch us on the off time saying something, they'll call us on it. And then yeah. we have, like, we'll apologize and yeah. be like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I wasn't really cool. And not, you know. So I, I I think they get it though. Like it's just they know that that's not a cool thing to do for a kid, or you know, it's disrespectful. And yeah. And but man, I made the biggest mistake one time. I <laughs> I recorded this song, and it was just like this drunken support group kind of a song, and it had a just a huge f bomb in the chorus, and it worked for the song. It was good. It's a good beer garden song. People go crazy, and it's it's a lot of fun. But you know. I sometimes forget that, you know, my kids' friends think I'm cool and their parents think it's interesting what I'm doing. And, and so our, our next door neighbor, they have a little girl that's the same age as, as Georgia. And they're like, Oh, Dan's got a new song out. And they all got in the car. They're driving somewhere. They throw it, Crank on. it up. <laughs> of course it's the uncensored <laughs> version. And uh, I was a hero to the 12 year old boy, but uh, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, Why would he do that? But yeah, it's so the parents are kind of laughing and, and yeah, I mean, that's hilarious. It's just it's one of those things where it's in music and and yeah. uh, hope I I don't like to explain it when it's myself, but if if it's on music that I'm listening to, it's a little easier to explain it away. Yeah, it's a word people say sometimes, right? So it's just like I, I think if you take the the mystique out of it, then um, you know, but you understand you set those boundaries, then it's clear they understand that. So. It doesn't yeah. become something they're going to seek out and and say and do on their own, you know, just to experiment. Yeah, I mean, they my kids know them for sure, but I've never heard one of them say any of them. So yeah. that's that's a good start. Perfect. Um, so Dan, what do you have going on right now? Like, what's what's new with you? What's coming down down the road for uh, for Dan Davidson? Well, it feels like <laughs> it feels like this is the time of year where all the country musicians head back into their caves. And well, you we just, just had like a single. A you just released a new single. Yeah, yeah it's uh, this new single, Girl Drinks Beer, is uh, a song I did. It's really cool how this kind of stuff can happen. Um, like over over COVID, everyone's looking for an angle, right? We're all looking for a new way to like be creative and come up with something cool to do. And uh, I was involved in this kind of online conference between the country music country music association of australia and the canadian country music association it was like this wacky speed dating thing where they put a bunch of artists from both countries in these like little five minute zooms and so i met a ton of industry people a ton of artists and i hit it off with this guy this guy travis collins just seemed like his music was kind of down the same zone as mine his fans seemed similar he's a dad and uh and we just kind of started chatting about a lot of that kind of stuff and kept in touch and uh i had this song that seemed like a great way to kick off australian summer and help canadians forget that it's the the deep freeze coming yeah and uh keep the party going so yeah i just kind of called them up and and said hey i got this song you know i'm coming to australia do you want to get on this tune and we can just see what we can do with it and uh it was it was a lot of fun turned out great it was a self-produced song my first song i'd ever produced on my own uh that i put out and um yeah, man. Big success so far. The Australians really loved it. We had a lot of people singing along. And uh, so we're still working on that, still working that one online and, and coming up with new content for that all the time. And and now it's it's just a little bit more of that. I've got most of a record written and I'm kind of working on some new songs, some new content, contests. Man, it's just like this is the time of year where it's time to, to get ahead a little bit. And when when it starts to get warm enough to tour, got all the ammo ready to go. So yeah. It's uh, that stage again. So is it too soon to to say like when we're getting a new album uh, next year or? Well, I'm shooting, I'm shooting for the summertime, okay. um, but it all kind of depends. Like, you know, I've, I've been a serial indie artist for my entire career, uh, but I, I've had, I've been chatting with a couple different labels and a couple different uh, teams and, and just trying to like grow my, my sphere a little bit so I can focus on, just being the artist instead of being the manager or the artist, the tour manager, like the, all the, all yeah. the other hats that, that I've had to wear over the years. And, 
and yeah, so I, it's kind of an exciting time. It's, it's, you know, usually I'll write and record a single and put it out, market it, write and record a single, put it out, market it. It's all been very single focused, but, yeah. but this time I'm, I'm going to have a whole record done, ready to go. And, and I'm going to see if I can find a partner for it. And if not, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, if there's no match out there, I'm just going to keep plowing ahead, doing my indie thing, but from a different, a bit, a, a bit of a different angle, trying to try and re- reinvent a little bit of, of the flavor that I've delivered before. It's, it's kind of, I'm finding it now at this stage in my career creatively to try and not repeat myself too much. So yep. try out some new sounds and some different styles a little bit. Awesome. Well, I'm stoked. The new single's great. Um, I, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about uh, your family and your kids. I know it's a personal topic, but uh, like we were saying in the beginning, and everyone loves talking about their kids. So it's great. I appreciate your time. <laughs> That's neat that uh, like, well, we're on Zoom right now, but we're, you know, like a probably a 20 minute drive from each other. So sometime we'll have to uh, get together for a beer um, here soon. Oh, I'd love that, man. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get you out to a rad dad's event. Um, any words of wisdom for parents out there listening, maybe for new dads? Oh man, uh, that's, that's always such a tough one, man. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I, I feel like keeping, just being able to roll with the punches a little bit has been my biggest, biggest winning strategy. You know, you can have, you can have a plan of how things are going to go, but when, when you have little kids, it, it's never, it's never quite a neat package. You just kind of, got to be able to be loose and, and uh, roll with the punches a little bit. That's great advice. I think, that, yeah, that's a big, big change for us uh, when we become parents. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for your time. It's been awesome chatting with you and uh, yeah, wish you all the best. Well, thanks for having me, Brett. It's good to chat with you, man. You bet. Take care. Yeah. All right. That was Dan Davidson on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, it would mean so much to us if you drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us really wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter at at rad dads show. And hey, you can also head over to YouTube to watch all of these interviews as well, including this one. Wherever you're watching or listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It helps us so much. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. You can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.